been through two of these messages, and I think this one's an important one, and I'm kind of glad that the teens are sitting in here with us, because this is something that I think is desperately needed in, a, in our world in a time of uh, this pandemic. You know, the coronavirus has canceled many events this year. And the very first sermon series, I had you kind of list some of the things that were different for you this year. And we live in a, in a culture right now, it's a cancel culture. You know, if the culture or some people don't agree with what someone says or does, they just try to boycott them and cancel them. And, and here's the cra- greatest thing that you'll hear today. Christmas isn't canceled. And we know it's not canceled. Why? Because Jesus isn't canceled. And here's, the, here's, here's something else for everyone, this little uh, tag that you can, you know, Jesus isn't canceled, but Jesus can cancel you. <laughs> let, me, let me say that again. And I don't mean that to scare you, but it's true. We can't cancel Jesus. I mean, I could get up here and I could just falsely talk about all kinds of crazy stuff that are not in the Bible. I could sit there and blaspheme Jesus' name all I'd want, but Jesus still wouldn't be canceled. But the reality of it is Jesus has the power to cancel us. And I don't say that, that we should be in fear of him, but I think we need to get our priorities straight when it comes to this. And so that was what we talked about the first week. The second week, we talked about joy couldn't be canceled, right? And why can't you cancel joy? Because it's the settled assurance that God is in control of your life. I love that phrase that we came up with last week, looking at the scripture. It's the settled assurance that God is in control of your life. So if you believe in Jesus, you know that he isn't canceled, and that can bring you assurance. And today, what I want to talk about is there is something else that Christmas that isn't canceled, and that is peace. Peace isn't canceled. And again, I'm glad the teens are with us uh, this morning. In most of the writings, Paul starts off by saying this in his letters. And in fact, you can almost find it in every one of the Pauline epistles. He starts out with this phrase, grace and peace be to you. You know, and, 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 when, you, and when you think about that, grace and peace be to you, we find that in 1 Corinthians 1.3, 2 Corinthians 2.1.2, Galatians 1.3, Ephesians 1.2, Philippians 1 and 2. And then he holds to Colossians, or it comes in Colossians 3.15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. That's why he says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. And here's, here's, here it is. God wants you not only to have joy, he wants you to have peace. And I think it's an important thing for us to talk about, especially during the times of the pandemic. Don't you all agree with that? I mean, because I think there's so many people that are not even experiencing joy, that they're not even experiencing what it means to have peace in their life. There's an unsettledness about everything, isn't it? Don't you all feel that way? I mean, when do the kids know if they're in school or not? How do they know when their remote classes are? How are you all doing with Schoology? Is that working out good for everybody? <laughs> so there's an unsettledness just, just all around, not only with the kids, but even with their, the adults and the parents. I, I, you know, it's, it's amazing to me. Do you all remember Cabbage Patch Kids? Where's my Cabbage Patch people, all right? Do you remember how people went nuts over Cabbage Patch Kids? Do you remember how much them suckers were selling for before Christmas? Well, my son Eli is getting the experience of a Cabbage Patch Kid right now. He is praying and searching, and Dad, guess what? The PS5 is coming on at 3 p.m. at Walmart. It's coming on at 2.20 at GameStop. He even had me try to get up at 1 o'clock in the morning to find a PS5. I let him be assured and say, look, your PS4 will do the same thing the PS5 will, but the PS5 has a little bit better graphics. 
And you don't have to spend two times for it because I'm, I'm telling you, January 3rd or 4th, it's back down to the regular price. And oh, Jesus did a miracle. He multiplied PS5s and all of a sudden they just show up. All right. So, so kids are experiencing the cabbage fact syndrome. And I never got the cabbage fact kids, but every year there's something, there's some toy that everybody's got to have. And, and, you know, do you remember Elmo? How many of you all wanted to tickle me Elmo? Do you remember that? You all stood in line for tickle me Elmo. I'm going to give you a better story. Did you do something? <laughs> did you do something bad with tickle me Elmo? Because you pulled down your mask. What did you do with tickle me Elmo? Did you get an Elmo? Okay, okay, I got, got you. Just go. So you're trying to breathe a little bit. All right. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The, I'm going back to tickle me Elmo. When we move from... Uh, Indiana back to Guyandot when I was preaching at Guyandot Church Christ in Huntington. We lived in Chesapeake. We had boxes and we had to, we burned our boxes. You know, when I move, I burn the boxes. And that means I'm, we're going to stay for a while, right? And so while we're out there, we're burning the boxes. All of a sudden I hear something going, <laughs> we forgot to get Elmo out of the boxes. We burnt Elmo in the fire, didn't we, Tanya? And he's laughing the whole time. And he's like, hee, hee. And I was like, I feel really bad about that. So again, there's a little bit of unsettledness. Next time you look at Elmo, just know that the preacher burned him up. All right? So if joy's not settled in your heart and peace isn't settled, then you'll never know what it's like to have the settled assurance that God is in control. And that's the part of joy. But you know what peace is? Peace is the steady expression of that joy. Think about that. Joy is the settled assurance. Peace is the expression of that. How do we express that we have joy? We, we come across as being people that are peaceful or full of peace. Joy is that deep down feeling that God's got this. Peace is the outward expression of that joy that others would see in me. You know that you can't have joy, but you can uh, not have peace. You can acknowledge that God is control, but you can, act, you can also not act like it. But it isn't how God wants his people to live. He wants us to live with joy and peace. Look at the scriptures this morning. John 14, 27. Here's what Jesus told his disciples. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's right before Jesus is about to be handed over to be crucified. And his disciples are on his mind because he knows what they're going to experience. I mean, think about it. The guy you've been following that you gave up your life for for the last three years is now going to suffer and die a criminal's death on a cross. You think you're going to be pretty upset about that? Yeah. Yeah, I think you would. And so what he says is, I'm going to give you peace. And it's not how the world gives peace. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Since I know that God has got this, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to live in fear and I'm not going to be troubled by it. That's what peace is. It's the expression of absolute pure joy that only Jesus can bring. We even see this in the Christmas story. In Matthew's gospel, we find one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. Turn here and let's read from Matthew chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through 12. And, you know, when you look at this, I'm just going to read this to us this morning. Are you going to be able to 
kind of stick up with me. Thank you back there. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, and when it rose, we have come to worship him. Did you all notice that we can see this star that hasn't been seen in like 600 years? It's uh, Saturn and Jupiter coming together. So be looking out in the sky, you'll be able to see this star. When King Herod heard that this was, he was disturbed. There's, there's the opposite of peace. And all Jerusalem was with him. Notice this. It wasn't just that Herod was disturbed. All of Jerusalem. So why are they all upset? Well, you're living under Roman government control. You're being required to take a census. You're being asked to wear a mask. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't say that, all right? But, but I mean, can you kind of relate to what we're going through in our culture? I, I think everybody's a little unsettled. I, I, a lot of times when we read scripture, we try to make it fit to what's going on in our world. I don't think we have to make this fit is my point. So let me get back to the Bible. And it says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where was the Messiah to be born? They said, in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler, and who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found them found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent to them in Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king and they went on their way, then the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. It's Matthew 2, 1 through 12. And this is the part of the Christmas story that happened after Christmas. But it's still kind of part of the story. I mean, the Christmas plays, when I was a kid, the wise men showed up late after everyone else has got there. But they showed up, and we usually sing the song, We Three Kings. Now, I want you to look and remember what verse 3 said. When King, Herod, uh, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. So when the wise men showed up, Herod had his peace canceled. And what happened that caused Herod's peace to be canceled? I think that we can see in him what happened if we're not careful. And here are the three mindsets that we have to have peace or it can easily be canceled in our lives. And the first thing we struggle with is insecurity. Herod was an insecure leader. We know this because many people around him, even his own family members, he had him executed. In fact, uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that three of his own sons were executed so that he was afraid that they would take his throne. And you know, why was he so insecure? Because he wasn't really considered by the Jewish people to be a true Jew. Because Herod's father was an Edomite, which means he was in the lost line of Esau, not Jacob. So Herod was an illegitimate king as far as most of the people in Jerusalem were concerned. And the Romans had placed his grandfather on the throne over the region of Judah for years. And the Jewish leaders, the true Jewish people, 
only tolerated him because they knew that if they tolerated him, the Romans would take it easy on them. So when these three wise men showed up from the east and they said, the one who has been born, the king of the Jews, Herod got nervous. His peace was canceled. Listen to this. An insecure person is always looking for outward affirmation from others. All right? They don't know how to take a compliment. They get nervous about everything. They're afraid that people won't like them, that they won't be accepted. Teens, are you listening? (laughs) They're not good enough. They feel unseen in relationship and life is always in limbo for them. Let me tell you something. Insecurity will cancel your peace. All right. I know I talk a lot about me and my, some of my experiences, but you all have heard this before. This is just true about who I am, and this is somebody that can honestly relate to what's going on here. When my parents divorced when I was six years old, I can still tell you the day that I got off the school bus when my mom said, your dad is moving out. I can tell you what the temperature was, well, the, the birds, I can tell you the cars and the colors, it's vivid in my imagination. And so what this has done, and this is something I've only realized later in life, that I kind of grew up as a kid kind of insecure about a lot of things. And for me, I'll just be honest with you, I always think no matter how good things are going, how great God is, whether it's good in my life or good in someone else's life, I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know what that goes back to? walking off the school bus and saying, hey. Now, I don't blame my parents for it, but it is something that happened to me and it's something I deal with. Now, it may not be you. Now, maybe you don't get to come up here and spill your beans (laughs) like I am right now, but I'm just being honest with you. I get this idea of being insecure. I don't care if Indiana Hoosiers are winning by 50 on the basketball court. I still feel like we're gonna get beat. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? I mean, I don't care what somebody tells me. I always feel something's gotten ready ready to change. Now, this is something I struggle with. But let me tell you another thing that will take your peace. And here's another mindset. And this is not just a Dr. Phil pop psychology word, but narcissism. And let's talk a little bit about narcissism. You know this word, don't you? All of you have been, uh, everybody's, I see on Facebook, everybody's defined if they're a narcissist or what's the other one. I don't know what they are, but next thing you know, we're all pop psychologists and we know exactly what's wrong with everybody else. But by definition, narcissism is a mental condition in which someone has an inflated sense about their own importance. They need, they feel a need for attention and admiration. Can a person be both insecure and a narcissist? Yes, they can. You bet they can. In fact, most narcissists are insecure. That's why they act the way they do. They're trying to convince you that they're more important and they're trying to convince themselves as well. A narcissist will say, I don't care what you think unless it's about me. Now, they may not be that bold, but everything that they talk about is about them. And you can see why in this search, why the wise men would cancel the peace of Herod. Can you imagine how they felt when he said, when they saw his star and we have come to worship him. you imagine how Herod felt? It's like, why aren't you here worshiping me? I'm the king of Judah. Why are you here to worship a baby? Herod knew the prophecies about the coming Messiah, but he also remembered the words of Deuteronomy 24, 17. 
And here's what Deuteronomy 24, 17, the one that undoubtedly prompted his search for the wise man in the first place. Here's what it says. A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel, and he will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of the people of Sheth. You know what? With that third mindset, Herod would have easily had his peace canceled. You know why? Because not only did he struggle with insecurity and narcissism, he struggled with jealousy. Listen to this. Jealousy can be defined as a resentment against a rival. Let's face it. An insecure narcissist is going to be jealous, right? Yeah. The wise men said, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Herod was disturbed. And some versions say that he was troubled. Same thing, right? Guess what? His peace is now what? Completely canceled. And when his peace was canceled, two very bad things happened. Here's what the scripture says. Others had their peace canceled. Back in the day, and even in our today, when leaders are uneasy and you see it and their eyes are uneasy, guess what happens? Everybody else gets what? Uneasy. From coaching, you all know I'm assistant coach out there at Shady in basketball. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I miss about my team from last year, I miss a lot of things. Like right now, we should be playing games. Right now, we should just be starting the season. There's a lot of things I miss. But the team that we had last year, they were unshakable, even when the coaches weren't. (laughs) And I know this from a fact. If we get upset and nervous or flustered, guess what our team's going to come out and do? They're going to be upset and flustered and do the same things. But do you know what was the unique ability about the kids and the group of kids that we had last year? Those kids were unshakable. We were undefeated going all the way up until uh, we started our regular season around here. We were playing in a tournament, and we played Robert C. Bird uh, up in uh, Fairmont over a holiday tournament. We were down 17 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, I'll just be honest. Here I am, the insecure person I am. I don't care if we were up 40. I would still thought we were going to get beat. But being down 17 against a really good team, and you know what we found out about the character of our kids? We might have thought, man, this is not looking good. But you know what our kids did? Came back and beat them. That was the only loss that Robert C. Bird had going into the tournament before it got canceled because of COVID. I missed those kids. They were unshakable. They, they, they weren't. They weren't perfect kids by no means, but more on the court, they were impressive to watch. And notice what it says in Matthew's gospel. All of Jerusalem is disturbed. Well, when the king's disturbed, the people get disturbed. When your leaders are acting crazy and foolish, guess what the people do, right? Listen to this phrase. This is something that might help you. The people will never rise above its leadership. Do you know what that means? If you say the people will never rise above its leaders, then it's imperative on your leaders that you have stable, in control, people who are unflappable. Do you think uh, people will run through a brick wall for an insecure, narcissist, jealous leader? Nope. But you put a bunch of soldiers under MacArthur (laughs) and those guys will do anything. Why? Because the leader is unflappable. 
The leader has peace. The leader knows what it's like to be steady. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, and listen to me, teens, you need to find friends that are kind of like, like what you want to be. If you want to be a person that's living in peace and joy, then you need to hang yourself around with people who do that because the Bible says it this way better than I can. Bad company corrupts good morals, all right? So do you realize that when you allow your peace to be canceled, you're also, also causing the peace of others to be canceled? You all finish this phrase. If mama ain't happy, oh, okay, all right. So it's in your house as well, right? And I'm not putting all the pressure on you, ladies. But if somebody's off in the house, especially if it's mama, easy, don't laugh too hard. You got four days to hold it together, (laughs) four days to make it right. All right, I set you up for failure there, teens, and I apologize, all right? So he called all these disturbed folks into a meeting and they tried to figure out what has happened. And right underneath his nose, the king of the Jews was gonna be born. And I want to tell you, this man was so disturbed, so insecure, so narcissistic, so jealous that one of the worst recorded things in the New Testament happens. It's the murder of the children. History calls it the murder of the innocents. We read about a little bit farther down in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 and 18, when the Bible says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was what? Okay, notice what predicates this aggression. You know, it's hard to be a person of joy and peace if you're someone who loses it all the time. It says he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and and its vicinity who were two years and under in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. That's what, he, that's what was said throughout the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel's weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they were no more. What a terrible night that must have been in Bethlehem. And scholars point out that there probably wouldn't have been more than a dozen or so baby boys two years and younger in a small town like Bethlehem but it's still horrific crime. One man allows his peace to be canceled and others pay for it. So what's the antidote to insecurity and narcissism and jealous mindsets? Really, we are still dealing with a virus that has tried to cancel our joy and try to cancel our peace. And the question for all of us this Christmas is this, how can I have peace? How can I be the person to express a peaceful spirit? We need peace with God before we can understand the peace of God. Let me say that again. We need peace with God before we can understand the peace of God. And part of the reasons that we are dealing with so many folks that are unsettled right now is that they're not sure of their salvation and their relationship with Jesus. Do you know that you should have assurance of salvation? Do you realize the Bible tells us to be that? We don't live in a revolving door of salvation, like one minute we're in and one minute we're out. We don't live in, well, I'm with God because I'm doing everything right, and then I'm not with God because I sin once. Because you're still in a works type of relationship with God. 
And a relationship with God doesn't work that way. So what we need to have is make sure, do we truly have a relationship with God? And what does that look like? Because I can talk to you about, here's how you have peace, but until you have peace with Christ, you won't know anything that I'm talking about. So do you have peace with God? The answer is right here in the story. In fact, it's in the statement that we've already read twice. The wise men told Harold what? We have come to worship him. Here's how you have peace. You come to worship him. You worship him. You worship the child in Bethlehem. You worship Jesus. And let me tell you the three things that happen when you worship Jesus. When you worship Jesus, your insecurities give way to his sufficiency. When you worship Jesus, you decrease and he increases. And when you worship Jesus, you find a spirit of distrust becomes a surrendered heart. That's how you deal with insecurity. That's how you deal with narcissism. That's how you deal with jealousy. And if you're not careful, they will creep into your life and not only cancel the peace in your life, but they will cancel peace in those around you that you love. Illustration from this year. I can't tell you how many times that I've read something on the news, Facebook, Twitter, watching TV, and I thought, oh, I'd take a deep breath. Anybody else feel that this year? <laughs> but you know what I committed myself to do is that every time I would do that, I would repeat this phrase, God's got this. God's got this. I don't know how. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how he's going to provide me a job. I don't know how he's going to fix the relationship issue in my family. I don't know how he's going to take away this insecurity I feel about my financial situation, but I know one thing, God has got this. And so I'd say that to myself. Let me again quote what Jesus said. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. And in this world, you will have trouble. But notice what Jesus says in John 16, 33. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So no matter how unsettled, whether it's been your fault that you're unsettled, or it's been something that's out of your control that has caused you to be unsettled, God has got this. Teens, are you hearing that? God's got this. No matter how many times you can't submit <laughs> your work in Schoology, God's got this. No matter how many times your boyfriend or your girlfriend's acting like a narcissist, <laughs> God's got this. No matter how many times you know that you're getting ready to spend time with family and you know that there's some family issues there, guess what? God's got this. Ladies, you don't have to worry about burning and the rolls for Thanksgiving dinner. God's got this, especially if you let someone else cook it and all you have to do is reheat it, all right? So there's something for you. That's just extra, all right? Guess what? God's got this. Even if a PS5 doesn't appear on <laughs> Christmas Day, God's got this. I know it sounds crazy when I try to bring these things to you, but listen, there's some real practical stuff here. And I'd love to tell you that this Christmas season that everyone is experiencing joy and peace, but they're not. And I want to challenge you this week when you're out and about with your family, 
if you see someone, you can tell someone's rattled, right? You can see if something's not right. Don't go into a big, long debate with them. Don't say, hey, have you heard a sermon my preacher just preached? You really need to listen for the next 35 or 40 minutes of your life. You know what you can do? Just provide a little joy for somebody. You don't need to take credit for it, pat on the back. If you see somebody struggling, take them some coffee. If you know your neighbor is a little bit unsettled and you know, maybe they've told you that they can't see their family over Christmas this year or that it's got canceled on them, find a way to bring a little bit of peace to someone. You know what will happen when you do that? How many of y'all seen the bumper stickers? Some, some, some bumper stickers are better than others. But do you know the one that says, no peace, N, it's got N-O and then peace. And then it says, no Jesus, N-O Jesus. Then it says right beside it, no peace, K-N-O-W. And then at the bottom of it, guess what it says? No Jesus. Some of the Christian bumper stickers are better than others, and I'm not saying that's a great one, but it makes sense in this sermon, doesn't it? If you don't have peace, you don't have Jesus. Those who do have peace, guess what? They know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you have peace? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the time that we get to spend in your word. I thank you for the folks who are willing to listen to what you have to say to us. I thank you, Father, that you're a God who wants to bring peace and not peace as the world understands it. And God, I thank you most of all that you're a forgiving Father. And at times when our life is not settled, when we're not secure, when our focus is on ourselves and not others, Father, maybe jealousy starts to get a little piece of a heart. And Father, that if we just know who you are and have a relationship with you, that one of the blessings of having that relationship with you is that we can know your peace. And so Father, as we get ready to head into a decision time, before we go to decision time, we always meet around your table. And and we have an opportunity to worship you through offering. But God, one of the things that I've always admired about Jesus is that not only did he just tell us what to do, he showed us what it looked like. And Father, I can't help but think that as we celebrate this communion time, it was at that night that he was to be handed over, he instituted this supper, a way that we can remember and hold tangibly and in our hands, the bread that represents his body that was going to be given and the juice that represents his blood that was going to be shed. For the forgiveness of our sins is what it tells us. But Lord, right after he instituted the supper, he went up onto a, a mount and he had prayer with you. And he asked his friends, he said, hey, can you just wait here and pray while I go over here and talk to the Father? And the Bible says this about Jesus. He prayed so earnestly that sweat turned into like blood coming out of his forehead. I love this about Jesus. It's not only that he is God himself in the flesh and he's all powerful and mighty, but because he's in the flesh, he can relate to our greatest fears, our insecurities. So Lord, today as we hold the cup and 
whether we're here in person or we're online or at home with our loved ones. We can hold the cup of one who would overcome death on a cross and we can relate and he can relate to us in our insecurities. So Father, I pray over this time of communion that Father, you would just touch our hearts. For this I pray in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said.